Okay. Welcome, everyone. Well, I finally figured out how if you have a doctrine and you believe something strong enough, how you can get everybody convinced to believe what you believe. No, not just that. Write your own Bible. Just write your own Bible and say, hey, this is the Bible. And start distributing them and say, this is the Bible I want you to read now. And pass them out, give them for Christmas gifts, give them for, for, you know, for all these different gifts that's and all. Ted, that, that, well, that's what that Ted is doing. That Ted that's on YouTube. Not just that. Like, How about this? How about a Jimmy Swaggered Bible? <laughs> Okay, let me, let me read you Jimmy Swagger Bible because I want to I want to show you something here. Uh, yeah, his words are in red. Yeah, exactly. In Second Thessalonians, we have a scripture I want to show you that Mr. Swagger has uh, interpreted for us. Um, not just interpreted, tr- retranslated for us. Okay, he retranslated the word for us. You remember First Thessalonians? Paul was writing about you know he's talking about in First Thessalonians chapter four. He says he says uh, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those that have died. He said, for the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the air, and so shall we ever be with him. And then he goes into chapter 5, and he says, but of the times and seasons, there's no need that are right unto you, for they shall say, peace and safety and sudden destruction shall come upon them and prevail upon a woman. But you are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you, for we are children of the light, therefore we walk in the light, and wrath right, of God's not appointed to us. So, sounds like what happened in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is that they began to think that, hey, the Lord's coming back real soon, maybe quit jobs, maybe quit this and that. So Paul had to write another letter to him. He wrote 2 Thessalonians. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he addresses the letter. I'm going to read it to you in the, in the King James verse. Then I'm going to read it to you in the Jimmy Swaggart Bible. Okay. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 1. You know, if I slow down a little bit, you speed up a little bit, Larry. Uh, we'll yeah, be right, Terry. We'll be right on together. It's almost, it's almost <laughs> I caught, I caught, uh, I caught uh, my brother Cedric this morning putting tabs on his Bible. I says, "No, that's Larry and Terry. You can't, you're not allowed to put tabs on your Bible." I'm <laughs> ready. Verse one. Yes, we'll start at verse one. He says, "Now we beseech you, brethren." About the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is he talking to them about? About the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by our gathering together unto him. So he's talking, he says, I'm going to talk to you about the coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto him. You know, like he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 about we, we will not all sleep, we'll be changed. We, uh, we'll, the dead in Christ shall rise and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, caught up with him in the air to meet the Lord. Okay, that's what he's talking about. So he said, I don't want you to be so soon shaken. In mind, I'll be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letters, as from us. As that day of Christ is at hand. I don't want you to be troubled if the day of Christ is right now, is what he's saying. Okay? Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, I want you to especially look at what's going to happen first, everyone. Ben, what's going to happen first? Falling away. Falling away. Is everybody apostasy? Everybody see that? Falling away, right? Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
verse 2. Okay, yeah, okay. in verse 2 and 3. What's it say? I was going to say this version happens to say, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. Okay, so it's, okay, still it's a fallen away, a rebellion. Exactly, but it's actually a rebellion, it's not a... Okay, what, right, right. Now listen to Jimmy Swaggart's Bible. Okay, you want to hear Jimmy Swaggart's? Okay, Jimmy Swaggart says this in verse 2. Um, actually, we'll start at verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. In other words, don't, and he says, in other words, don't listen in, in red. It says, in other words, you know, Jesus wrote in red and Jimmy Swaggart writes in red. That's kind of a, yeah. you know, makes you think a little bit. Don't listen to, to that which is scriptural incorrect. So he's going to say, I want you to listen to the correct scripture, okay? For that day shall not come except there come a falling way. Should have been translated, all within this, wrongly translated, he said, it's wrong. For that day shall not come except there come a departure first. This speaks of the rapture, which is, in essence, says the second coming cannot take place until certain things happen. So he's calling the rapture the falling away? Yeah. It's just the opposite. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He said it's from the word apostasy, which, which for to him means a catching away. Apostasy means a rebellion, just like what she just read a while ago, to, to resist, to, to resist it. But the audacity to change the word of God and say that's wrong, the word of God's wrong, all these translators are translated. I looked at every version, every version I could find, and it all says the same thing, the falling away. And he says, no, that's talking about being, the rapture is going to come first, then the man of sin is revealed, because that's his doctrine. That's what he believes. He believes in a pre-tribulation rapture, and he can't have this say this, because that messes his doctrine up. So he changes it to, to say what he wants it to say. And that's what you got in the day that we live. Every single other version talks about this version says um, that many in that time will turn, turn against God. It won't happen until many turn against God. They all say I'm giving you this. <laughs> they go along with your NIV. <laughs> that, uh, Where do you get that? Now, can you please expound on the difference between the rapture and the following word? The rapture is a catching away. The, yeah. Bible, the Bible talks about a falling away. Yeah. The falling away that he's talking about is the church that falls away. It's not going to come except they come a great falling away. We know this in Revelation, in Matthew chapter 24, when he speaks of the end time, or, 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 or Luke chapter 21, when he talks about it, he says there's going to be many deceivers. He said if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived and fall away. Because there'd be, there's going to be a great falling away. The falling away, guess what? It's already happened. We're living in it. Because the church has, has, has estranged so far from the word of God, believing that you can sin and, you can, and, and die, it's, it's a, that is a falling away. They fell away from the truth. And he said, that's the first sign that we have. So we have the first sign. All we're waiting on is we're waiting for the man of sin to be revealed. And when the man of sin is revealed, which you talked about in Revelation chapter 13, the one that comes up from the sea, he's going to do great miracles. All the world's going to wonder after him. He's going to uh, be like, make, you know, prosperity is going to be great. Everybody's going to think this is, a, this is our Savior. He's done everything. I'm real, real, real excited about it. He says he's going to come up from the sea. Huh? He's going to come up from the sea, not any country, but the sea. Well, actually, it, it talks about John seeing this. The sea means multitudes, nations, and tongues. Okay. That's what the Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 17. It says that the sea is multitudes, nations, and tongues. That means he comes up from the world. Okay. 
He's gonna, in other words, he's coming up, he's going to rise up. Somebody out of the world is going to rise up, and he's going to be this man that uh, looks like he can uh, do anything, but he's going to persecute Christians. He's going to kill some of the saints. The Bible says that if you want to read about it, it's Revelation chapter 13. But I thought that was amusing of what you were just talking about. <laughs> Rapture is exact is 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 no terminology in the Bible that says rapture. First of all, that that comes from First Thessalonians chapter four, and in First Thessalonians chapter four, I said, like I said a while ago, the Scripture says that they were beginning to sorrow about their death, their, the ones that had died in the Lord. And it's like, what happened to these people? What, what's going to happen? And Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning those that have died. He said, for the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive, alive and remain, those believers, are going to be caught up together with them in the sky to meet the Lord in the clouds. Jesus said before he left, they, they saw him going up, and he said, in like manner he shall come back again. He's going to come back through the clouds, but, this, but he's not going to come all the way to earth. We're going to, people are going to meet him up there. Now, always, it's been for a long time, well, when is that going to take place is the big key, key question, right? When is it going to take place? So Paul is writing in 2 Thessalonians and telling you, listen, before this takes place, what's going to happen is you're going to have a great falling away. Then the man of sin is going to be revealed. Yeah. So when the man of sin is revealed, the Bible says in Revelation 13, that that man of sin will continue for a space of three and a half years. So when the man of sin is revealed, we know we basically have three and a half years left. Or, you know, things get really, really all messed up. They've already done that. No, I know, but I'm saying like a great fall away. I think it's talking about deception and they're being led, right? You've got to ask, what are they falling away from? I don't know. Okay, what they're falling away from is the Lord. They begin to be, be uh, cold, lukewarm. They're, they're, they begin to let sin creep in their life and make excuses for sin. They, they're falling away from the Lord. The Lord said, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So the Bible said he's coming back. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. This, this, will, this will explain it to you. First, no, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. It's basically a backslidden church. Yeah. Or really a, a fallen away church. <laughs> it's totally fallen away. Exactly. We're seeing it to the greatest extent right now. Don, did you get to listen to that video I sent you? You, you need to listen to the last one on, on, on uh, Prince. Ben, did you listen to it? I did not, no. Um, I need to listen to it. Is that, is it any His name is, do you know who, uh, yeah. you know who he is? Uh, yeah. I okay. used to listen to him about 3 o'clock in the morning. I'd wake up and be on Yeah. Are things different today than they were 10, 10 years back? Yes. Yes. Well, they, so. Yeah, they wax and worse and worse. the same message they're preaching now? Were they preaching the same message? Yeah. It's worse. Well, yeah, but I'm saying, but really, they were preaching still the same thing, really. But it's worse. You asked if it was worse. Well, it's yeah, worse. I'm with you, but when there's a great falling away. It's been going on for a while. It's been going on for a while. It, does, it doesn't give a timeline of how long the falling away will be before the man of sin is revealed, if that's what you're asking. Okay, look, look, at, Rev, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Verse 22. You got tabs on the Bible. All you got to do is get there. 
chapter? Ephesians 5, verse 22. You don't need that part anyway. It's talking about wives right there, okay? <laughs> wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church, as, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So that's going to teach you when you get a wife what you do. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the word of the word, that he might present it to himself. What kind of church? A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Is that a description of the church today, or has it fallen away from that? Is it holy? Is it without blemish that you can't blame, they can't make any blame at all, they live in so holy and without wrinkle? That's what he's coming back for. I, I, I read it, but I don't think this, the church I've ever been to has been this church that's speaking right there, ever. You're right. Ever. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah, but it's gotten worse. It has. And as it gets it's worse, worse, it's going to, it's going to, that's when it's getting, it's forward. getting worse. You know why it's getting worse? Because it's getting closer to the time that man of sin is being is going to be revealed. That's what the scripture says. That's what the scripture says. That Paul said this. He said, he said, men shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And he tells us when you've seen those things, you know that the time is drawing near. You know, anybody else? Ever since, ever since uh, 2,000 years ago, ever since every generation has said, this is the one. Okay, let's go, let's, go, let's, go, let's go talk to somebody that's going to talk to you just about what you just said. Peter, 2 Peter, chapter 3. a certain way because you believe he's coming today. That's how you're to live. You're to live like he's coming today. That's right. With all your heart. I'm not saying that I'm going to live a certain way because I think he's coming in 10 years. No, you have to believe that you live a certain way that he's coming today. That's what the same thing. Okay. Knowing this first, that there should come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, hey man, where's the promise of the coming? Why hasn't he come? What's taking so long? For since the fathers died, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and into water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Remember Noah's flood. He compares it to the same thing. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire. So the next time, first time was the flood. This time it's going to be fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So time is really not of essence with our Lord. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. In other words, he's, not, he's, going, to, he's going to fulfill it. He's not slack. It's going to happen, as some men count slackness. But his long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's waiting for all those that are supposed to come to come in, all those that are going to come to come in. But the day of the Lord will not come 
will come as a thief in the night when people least expect it, in the which the heavens, the sky, shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth and also in the works that are therein shall be burned up. Okay, seeing that you know that also these things are going to happen and everything's going to be dissolved, what kind of person should you, be, should you be? What kind of life should you be living is what he's saying. In all the holy conversation, a holy way of living and godliness. Looking for and hurrying up, hasting unto the, day, the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. As a believer, I can't wait. I'm excited when I think of death or the coming of the Lord because I'm going, to be with, I'm going to be in the presence of God. So some people say, well, you shouldn't be in a hurry for it. Yeah, the Bible says to be hasting and looking for that day. That's what you're supposed to be doing. So if nevertheless we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and new earth, because why? Because there's only going to be righteousness there. People say, well, that guy was fornicating and he's going to, God took him up and t- took him to, to heaven. That guy ain't going to be where I'm going to be because there's only going to be righteousness to where I'm at. There's going to be no sinners there. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. Here's the deal. If you really believe that, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Isn't that the same definition of the church that we read in Ephesians 5? Without spot, blameless, right? And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even, even as our beloved Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. He, Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. But listen to this, important scripture. As also in all his epistles, speaking to them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. That is exactly what happened. They took Paul's writings, they were hard to understand, and they, and they wrestled with them to their own destruction. They've, they've created their own doctrines, twisting Paul's words, and the Bible warned and said that's exactly what they would do. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Question? That Ted thing, they said, the last thing, this is where I turned it off completely, he said, well, we're not happy with what the Bible says, so we're going to write our own. And here it is. Jill, would you go get my uh, iPad, please? And uh, now, it's this what what people are putting out there for other people, and there's thousands. That just blows, blows my mind. These places fill up with thousands of people. This uh, this last video I did it was done two weeks ago. And in two weeks, less than two weeks, it had over 175,000 views. On yours? No, not on mine. No, oh. I wish. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm talking about his, that video that he put out, and that's the one I'm going to play for you uh, somewhat. So um, let me go there real quick. Um, honey, would you do me one more favor? Get me that little speaker. You're talking yeah. about that guy from... Uh, uh, Korean guy, whatever he is. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. It's, it's because he's so soft-spoken, I think. It, it, people just, it, you think he's soft-spoken? Well, that's, I mean, it's like, I think that's what, what drives people, you know? Well, he's speaking at um, Joel Osteen's church, Lakeland Church in Texas. Joseph Frank? 
Yeah, Joseph Prince, he's speaking there to a huge crowd. I don't know how many thousands of people are in there, but it's full to the max. Thousands and thousands of people. They're clapping for him. They're doing all this stuff for him. And I want you to hear the stuff that he's saying. Uh, it will, I don't know if it'll blow y'all's minds, but it, <laughs> I've heard yeah, it's really, really bad. And, uh, but yet, it's the same thing that most of these churches believe. They just don't say it to that, to that extent. Okay. Let me read you this thing that she put out. You know, uh, Who put out? It was in her, Enter, uh, uh, in, in her speech. I mean, I'm just going to read. I mean, basically, it's a, Camilla Harris. Oh. Uh, you know, I mean, Does anybody really listen to who that is? a Christian Jesus. It's really wacky. Basically, she quotes with, uh, from, uh, from a movie. But, you know, uh, path of a righteous man is beset on both sides. On all sides, the iniquities of selfish and tyranny of evil. Blessed is he who, in the name of charity, goodwill, shepherds, the weak, in the valley of uh, darkness. For he is his brother's keeper and finder and lost children, and I will strike down thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brother. And I will know that I am, and you will know that I am Lord and when I lay down my vengeance. And then she, and then she goes, I like to use that in the S word. I like to use the S word. Uh, word. It's, some, it's from some of that crappy old book that's about Trump and his enablers. That ain't even worth, the Bible says it's not even worth repeating what somebody like that says. Okay, y'all ready? You want to sit where you can see this? Yeah. Hello guys, how you doing today, man? It's great to be with you. I got Wes with me. I'm, I'm Pastor Don, and we have something great in store for you today. I want to start out, if you would, I'd like to read a couple of scriptures okay. in 2 Timothy chapter 4, because I want you to understand why we're doing this video. First of, this, first of all, this video is about a person that is preaching at the Lakewood Church in Texas, Joel Osteen's church, and the gentleman preaching is Joseph Prince. Uh, and he's saying some things that we feel are contrary, and we're going to show that in the scriptures, and we want to point those things out to you. The Bible says, and it commands us, uh, especially in 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, turn there, it said, preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. He's commanding us to do these things, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So we want to show the teaching. We want to compare the teaching to what the Word of God says and show you in the Word of God. And if there's rebuke necessary, we have to do that, brother. Uh, th this is something that has to come forth. Uh, the Bible says the time will come, and the time is here. We live in the latter times. When men will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heap to themselves uh, teachers uh, have, uh, and having itching ears. Jude warned of this. Jude said, in, and there's only one chapter in Jude, and Jude said uh, that he wrote to us about the common salvation in verse 3, that it was needful for him to write to us to exhort us that we should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered, because there's going to be certain men crept in unaware, 
who were before of old ordained to condemnation ungodly and turning the else? grace oh. of our God into a license to sin, saying that, you know what, God's grace covers you in your sin. You can continue sinning. The blood of Jesus covers that. Uh, that's just not what the scripture says. And Jude is commanding us, Jude is exhorting us to contend for the faith and show the truth of the scriptures. So right now, we want to play this clip and let you listen to this. And you say, Pastor Prince, how can you say that you are the righteousness of God? How can I say I am the righteousness of God, having done no right thing? Well, if you answer me, how did Jesus become sin, having done no sin? By the same... Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Did Jesus become sin? No. He took all that sin, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 22, I think it's the last verse, it does say, in some translations, it, say, it says that he became sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. The wording actually there is, is what he was referring to. He became a sin offering. He didn't become literal sin because he was holy. There's no way he could become that. But it became the sin offering for our sins. We had to have a sin offering so that we would be cleansed from our sin. So I just wanted to point that out. I've heard that before many, many times. That's exact. Where, where, is, where is this at? 2 Corinthians 5. 21. Huh? 2 Corinthians. Yeah, 521. 521? Yes. Said he had made him to be sin for us. It didn't say he became sin. He, he was a sin offering, the Bible says, throughout the scriptures. He, he died for our sins. He was a sin offering. He became a curse because it was written... Cursed is he that hangs on a tree because he was numbered with the transgressors because anybody that hung on a tree was cursed. Never says that Christ, Christ is sin or becomes sin. He said he, he became that sin offering for us. Okay? What he wants to point out is that there was a divine exchange that took place, that he became sin so that you could become his righteousness and that you would, your sin would not count because he took your sin on, on him and died on the cross, and he became your sin. And therefore, you're, you're the righteousness of God now. So that's just where he's going with, going with this thing. Token, Jesus became sin apart from his performance, that you might be made righteous apart from your performance. It's a divine exchange. Apart from his performance, he died on the cross. And, and you know, the, the most Christ-honoring thing you can do is to say thank you when someone gives you a gift. Can I have a good amen? amen. And, and the worst thing you can do is say, hey, how much is the gift, yo? I want to pay. All right? That would be insulting the giver. The pleasure of the giver is to have you just receive it and enjoy it. Amen. amen. God wants you to stand tall and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Great things happen when you say that. You are righteous in Christ. Never judge your standing by your behavior. Ooh. Always judge your behavior by you your standing. That? You are the righteousness of God in Christ. He said, never judge your standing by your behavior.
In other words, you're the righteousness of Christ. If you're murdering somebody, don't judge your standing by your behavior. Because Christ said you're his righteousness he is because you have the gift of righteousness. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It, it, that's not your standing. Your standing is that you're always right with God. What you just heard with is positional righteousness. Um, later on, you'll see in the video he tries to recant that he's using you know that term, uh, but you'll see he definitely is. And we see according to what Scripture says, even in John, John says that um, let no one deceive you. He that uh, doeth righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Um, and that's the righteousness that the Bible speaks about. There is no positional righteousness. There is no God, uh, you know, seeing you through Jesus's righteousness. It's it's you're either doing righteousness or you're not doing righteousness. Uh, another scripture, um, and John uh, and and Don can turn there uh, is a, the scripture where it says, "If the righteous are scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear?" Um, so depicting that there's going to be a difference between those that are righteous and those that are the ungodly and the sinner. The sinner being somebody that's just outside of Christ, you know, and the ungodly being somebody that's outside of Christ again. But see how the categories are uh, people that are disobeying God. They're ungodly. They're the sinner, you know, and that's not just because you say, I believe. Um, you know, makes it all better. It's it's a lifestyle that must, uh, you know, someone must be living to be righteous. If you want to read from that passage or add to that, that'd be great. Yeah, let, let me add this, if I could, Wes, to all the people out there. You know, the Bible says that in the last days, of, of, it would be very dangerous times. And we're seeing the danger right now in this video you just listened to. The danger in that is that this, people will be, these preachers will be hearing from seducing spirits and these are doctrines of devils that's coming forth. And this is very, very serious what we're talking about today because we're talking about you being called righteous just because you came forward and accepted the Lord. And, and maybe you even apologize for your sin. But until there's true repentance of turning from your sin, uh, like it talks about it, we'll probably uh, reiterate this scripture many times in Proverbs uh, chapter 28, verse, uh, verse 13, it says that he that covers the sin shall not prosper, but, but he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall be shown mercy. That's the real mercy of the Lord, to confess your sin, and not just, just that, but to forsake your sin. So he's trying to tell you that you're righteous because of some act that you did by, by going forward or something, and that's not righteousness at all. The Bible, like, like uh, Wes just quoted in 1 John chapter 3 verse 7 it says don't be deceived the scripture warns you don't be deceived into somebody telling you that righteousness is something other than what real righteousness is here's the definition of righteousness from christ he says this he said he that is he that is righteous doeth righteousness he's doing those things that are righteous he's walking in righteousness just as christ is righteous it's not talking about getting branded with, oh boy, you came to the Lord and we're going to brand you with this cloak of righteousness. No, don't deceive yourself. It's he that does righteousness. And that scripture he brought out in 1 Peter chapter 4, that's for chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. It says this, it says, for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. It begins right there. This is judgment. And he says, if, if it first begin at us, 
the house of God, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? So he's saying you don't need to worry about obeying the gospel, that you are God's righteousness, that God's not going to convict you of, of sin. All these things that are just terrible against this word of God. And then he yeah. goes up to verse 18 and he says, for if the righteous scarcely be saved. The, listen, the right, who, first of all, who is righteous? The one that's being obedient. If he's scarcely being saved, then where shall the ungodly, the person that's not godly, the ungodly and the sinner, the person that's walking in disobedience, where shall they appear? This man yeah. is deceiving you into making, trying to make you think that you can walk in sin and live in sin and God doesn't see it. And you're just a righteous of God. He goes on, and we're going to see later in the video. He goes on and even talks about while you're while you're smoking or while you're you're uh, looking at pornography, just say I'm the righteousness of God. That breaks my heart, man. You got to come out of that. You need to start reading your Bible for what it says, because those scriptures yeah. are twisted to make these big groups of people come in and make everybody tickle everybody's ear. Get away from that, Wes. Um. Yeah, and uh, to go along with don't be deceived, uh, you know, he that doeth righteous is, is righteous as he is righteous, like we quoted from John, uh, another passage of scripture that Paul refers to not being deceived as well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, it says, do you, not, do you not know that the unrighteous, there it is again, will not inherit the kingdom of God, do not be deceived. Neither fornicator, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And it doesn't throw on an addendum to say, but if you say, I believe in Jesus, it, you know, all this is just completely done away with, thrown out the window. Um, it doesn't say that. So um, that's what these people are insinuating um, with, with this other doctrine that they're trying to propagate. And like what Tom's saying is they're making the people feel comfortable. There's two people that are guilty here. There's the preacher that's guilty, and there's the, there's the people in the audience that are guilty because they're the ones that have heaped up teachers having itching ears uh, according to their own desires, according to their own passions. They're putting these people in this leadership position because it makes them feel comfortable. It makes them feel accepted. It makes them feel like they're okay to, to eat their cake now and, you know, and, and have it in the end too, or to live for the pleasures of this life and have eternal life in the end, which the scriptures say, speak contrary to that. Jesus spoke contrary to that. Um, and we're here just to, you know, we're here to reveal through the scriptures that that's a false teaching, that that's not truth. Um, even though it sounds good, it looks good. So, um, I'm let's Go ahead. I hear West, these, these preachers over and over again as we listen to these things. And look, there's thousands of people that he's speaking to. I mean, his video, the, the, the service was two weeks ago. Uh, the, the, his site already had 100,000 hits. I mean, people are flocking to this. This tells us that we're in the last days. He said this. He says, you just come to the Lord in your sin just like you are. And when you feel conviction about your sin, shun that off and say, and begin to say, I am the righteousness of God. Okay, let's, let's back up and let's, let's, let's look what the scripture says about this. Okay, the first thing is, yes, come to the Lord broken with a contrite spirit, crying out, asking the Lord to forgive you for your sin, as it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, 
He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Godly sorrow is the first thing that must take place in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says. Then once you come there and you've broken and you begin to confess your sin, what does the scripture say to do next? It says to repent. We say this over and over again because this is so important. Without repentance, there's no salvation. He's telling you, you don't need to repent to have salvation. You just come to the Lord in your sin, continuing your sin, and God's just going to clean you up in time. That is not the gospel. John the Baptist preached repentance. Jesus preached, repent or you shall likewise perish. The Bible says that you can't, you can't have salvation in 2 Corinthians 17 without repentance, without a turning. That's why the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things come, uh, become new. Listen to me. You say, well, by, by, by you sound passionate, you sound excited. I am, because I care about the souls of the people out there. There's so much of this going around, it, it just like blows my mind, and it blows West's mind. We we're, we're, yeah. have a passion and a mission to help people to come out from this false doctrine. Because you know what? One day... You and I, all of us, are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ alone. And we're going to be faced with, are we ready? Did you have enough oil in your lamp? Did you take the talent and do what you were supposed to do with it? Did you follow what Jesus said when he said in, in Luke 6, 46, he said, why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I say? This man is saying you don't need to worry about doing the things he says. That you cloaked in his righteousness. Okay, so first of all, we back up. He says God's going to clean you up. No, you you got to you got to repent. You've yeah. got to do that. Listen to what the Bible says. It says this in James chapter four, verse verse ten. I think it is. He says this. He says, "Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded." He's telling you to do that. Yeah. He's not saying, "Look, I'll clean you up." No, he says, "Cleanse your hands, you double-minded." 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 says, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. What's he telling you? You cleanse yourselves. How? Yeah. By turning, by, by, by turning from your sin, by forsaking your sin, then coming to the Lord and presenting yourself to the Lord to receive salvation. It's not going and living in sin and hoping and praying that God one day gets you out. He's telling you. How, how much have you resisted sin? He's telling you you don't need to do it. But the Bible tells you in Hebrews 12, 4, he says you have not yet resisted sin to the shedding of blood. Well, why bother resisting sin if he's telling you you don't need to worry about it? God's just going to do it all. Why so many admonitions in the scripture that are telling you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Scripture's telling you to give all diligence to make your calling and election sure. All these things that's admonishing you to press in, to strive to enter in that gate. Man. You must get up from there, and you must turn from your sin and come yeah. to God. Like, John, like James uh, 121 that we so often quote, Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. If you don't lay it aside... You're not going to be saved. Your soul will not be saved. This is why Jesus says, by patience, possess ye your souls. Uh, Isaiah 55, 6 uh, and 7, we'll read this before we go back into the video. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked, here it is, forsake his way 
and the unrighteous man his thoughts, let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and he will have mercy on him. Uh, if, you, if you don't forsake, if the wicked doesn't forsake his ways, and the right, unrighteous man his thoughts, there's no mercy. That's why we're quoting uh, Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. See how those two passages harmonize? See how they, they line up perfectly? That's because there's one author of the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit. It's it, 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 He's the one that inspires the word through the prophet Isaiah, through Solomon when he wrote Proverbs, and that's why they harmonize. Um, we're going to go into multiple scriptures, uh, but if you just can get that God only has mercy on a sinner if he forsakes his wicked ways and forsakes his unrighteous thoughts. Um, and, that's, and that's what we're contending for. That's what the scriptures are contending for. Um, so let's listen to this next portion about it. We'll go a minute and a half or so um, just to, you know, splice this up. We try to take clips from this video because it's, there's just so much there that's just false teaching. Um, but we're just trying to take a few clips just so, um, you know, we can show you and expose uh, like what um, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them. Paul said, mark those who cause divisions among you. Divisions in what? Divisions in doctrines of demons. They're yeah. peddling lies and deceiving people to think that they're safe when they're not safe. Um, so let's listen to this. Here we go. And we have all kinds of testimonies coming into our, our ministry ever since I preached this. And I would preach like this years ago. I remember I just said, if you've got a bondage to smoking, while you're smoking, say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. <laughs> and pastors are so afraid of that. Hey, they will still do it. Except they won't confess they are the righteousness of God. People will still do it. So I said, confess. Call those things that are not as though they are. Amen. Wait. People being delivered well, from that, uh, uh, many, many, many deliverance from pornography. I will teach this as you are watching pornography. <laughs> Confess I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Everything inside you, everything about your flesh will scream, hypocrite, how can you say that? The devil will scream the loudest, you are a hypocrite. But yet, if you are able to confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, something is going to happen to you. We have so many testimonies of people who are set free oh, from pornography just doing that. All kinds of addictions. Amen. Heresy. Blasphemy. Because it is heresy. Because it is blasphemy. We'll stop there. That's, I think you got the general idea. <laughs> mm, go back. You can go back and listen to the rest of it. But you can see what's being preached out there. It's such a, um, such deception. Such lie. And uh, because, I mean, Cedric, you had somebody on the phone the other day I was contending to faith with, and they, they wouldn't come past saying that, um, well, I, I'm, I, I've got God's righteousness, and eventually maybe I'll you know, get where I do better, but right now I, I receive the righteousness of Christ, and uh, therefore I'm saved, and therefore I'm, you know, I said, no, the righteousness... The only way you have righteousness is if you're doing righteousness, is what the scripture clears, clearly says. You have to depart from iniquity. You're saying you haven't departed from iniquity, but you're still claiming to be righteous. That's two opposing statements. I said, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 
and uh, you haven't done that. But they they so stuck on that because they've been taught that for so long, and it's part of the person they trust in. Like just here, you heard the people, thousands of people clapping and and going along with that uh, false doctrine. Would you like to also input that uh, whenever we were given the scriptures, he said, "Why are you the only code in order?" Yeah, yeah, and, and see what happens is when you contend for the faith. When you know, many of you know that and you're sharing the gospel and the truth, and they get where they can't answer you, you know, they want to just give opinion, and you give them scripture, they get mad, and they saying, why you just, why you just give, keep giving me scriptures? You know, like, well, that's the word. You know, that's, that's the word. That's what every person will be judged by, is the word of God. You know, and I, it just breaks my heart to listen to, some, to this stuff that's out there, and it's like, you feel like, gosh, it's almost like impossible to reach these people because they're so deep engulfed in that, and their hearts and their minds are so calloused from, uh, the Scripture says that they, that, um, that, that sin would abound and that they, they, um, they would sear their conscience with a hot iron. And when you begin to think you're the righteousness of God and you're in your sin and you're still okay with that, he goes on to say that, uh, he quotes from uh, John chapter 15, and he says that um, that the Holy Spirit came to to um, co- you know convict the world of sin and bring forth judgment and, and righteousness. And he said, and he goes on and says, for you, it, it, there's no conviction for your sin. That your only thing you're judged on is that of you saying that you're righteous, that you are the righteousness of God. And that's all you need to worry about. That when you, you start feeling conviction. Of the, of the, for the sin, just start saying, I'm the righteousness of God. Like, don't really repent, don't really um, worry about the sin, but just say, I'm the righteousness of God. Whether you're watching pornography, whether you're murdering somebody, or whatever. There was a, a thing on Dateline a while back that um, they were interviewing these pedophiles, uh, you know, when they catch them. And uh, they, they had a couple of them they interviewed on Dateline that professed to be Christians. And um, he said, well, how can you profess to be a Christian and do those things? And they said, well, it's, being a Christian is not dependent on what you do, it's what you are. And he, says, and he says, well, do you believe in the Bible? He said, of course, yes, we believe in all. He says, well, where in the Bible does it tell you you can call, call this little girl and you can tell her all these things about having sex with her and all, and that's okay? He said, well, it's really not written in the Bible. But you have to understand, we're the righteousness of God, and it doesn't matter. And then it was asked, and that's the other preacher, he asked him, he says, will, homo, will homosexuals uh, make it to heaven? Will they go to heaven being a homosexual? And he says, listen, there's only one thing that matters. It doesn't matter. You're not judged on your performance or what you do or don't do. You're judged on whether you accepted the Lord as your Savior, and, and you came to the Lord, and you, and you, you, you were born again, as they use that terminology, which is not it at all, but he said, but if you, you receive the Lord, you're going to heaven no matter what you're doing. It doesn't depend on what you're doing. Uh, that you're, that's what makes you different from the world. The world does those things. They can't make it to heaven. You can do those things. Because you accept the Lord, you're going to go to heaven. Uh, it, it's such a mess. It's, it's an incredible mess out there. So that's why we minister this gospel so strongly is to get this message out. We have such a mission, guys, to get this out to try to save some from this. You've been redeemed. You've come out 
of it, a lot of you guys here, and, and uh, that's the mission. Uh, mission is not about how much money we make or what job we have or, or uh, what we're doing in this world. The mission is about the gospel of Jesus Christ and getting the truth out there because er- error is everywhere. I talk to people at the gym and all, and people that pass it all, I try to talk to them. Some of them won't even talk to me. They won't even answer me because they don't want to contend. They don't want to, they want to just keep everything smooth and just keep it like it is. I went to one guy and says, man, I said, I went, and this is honest truth. I went to that church where we were going. And all those years, I never knew that that was believed. I didn't know it until that one day that it came out. And I'm like, and I asked this guy that goes there, one of the pastors, I said, did, I, I never knew that this was, a, I said, if I'd have known that he believed that once saved, always saved, and that he believed that you could murder somebody, kill him, lie to him, whatever, and go to heaven, I said, I would have never, I would have never been there to begin with, and much less ever stayed, because I, I knew even back then, that's not right, you know? Yeah, it finally came out, but it took a long time to come out that I heard anyway, for it to come out. You had heard some things early on and left early on. Don, Don was there one day, and, and it was said that, uh, just talking about giving and receiving, just talking about uh, paying tithes and giving money, and, and uh, there was a complaint made from him that, uh, that uh, some people weren't given enough money. And if, he, he says, if, if, you're, if you're not giving this much money, because then, then you need it, because you're saying that's what you get from your job, you need to get a better job, you know? And, I remember that, too. You remember that? And, yeah. and, and, I, and Don, thought of, Don thought immediately, well, what about that poor widow woman? That went and gave all that. She only gave a couple of pennies. And Jesus said, that woman gave more than all of them. They said, Lord, she only gave a couple of pennies. He said, but she gave out of her need. She gave all that she had. But see, that wouldn't have been enough there. He would have said, that woman knows that he's going to get a better job and make some more money so she can give more. So these kind of things, man, and this, this is what happens. Money gets into the equation, it seems. And, and then we have to conform because the Bible says that in the last days, men will have itching ears going about heaping in themselves preachers that will tell them what they want to hear. But the Bible commands us to exhort those, be instant, in season, out of season, to exhort, to tell these people, come out from that and be separate, the Lord says. Then I will receive you. Be holy. But holiness is not spoken of anymore because it's not, because they don't feel like it's necessary. They, they feel like repentance is not necessary. You don't need to turn from your sin. You have the righteousness of God. When you come forward, you come forward just like you are, a sinner. You come just as you are. And God's going to clean you up in time. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches the opposite. It says depart from iniquity and then come forward, come to him. Just like you made up your mind one day that you were going to sin and fall in that sin. And you made a choice to sin. You have the right, you have the ability in God to make a choice to turn from your sin. Say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm done. I'm not going to do it anymore. You turn from that sin and walk in righteousness. But brethren, the scripture admonishes us as believers. Certain things that, that we, we, um, we need to walk in. It, um, in um, the book of 2 Timothy. Anybody have anything to say about this? Anybody have something on their heart? Okay, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, 
Cedric mentioned this chapter earlier, and he said, man, I really enjoy 2 Timothy chapter 2. I said, man, that has been one of my favorite chapters, too, in the Bible. It just always has been real powerful for me. He starts off at 2 Timothy chapter 2, and he talks about a good soldier does not entangle himself with the affairs of this life. In other words, his focus is on the Lord. It's what he's talking about is the Lord. He's not focused on anything else um, but doing the will of God. Matter of fact, hold your place in 2 Timothy and turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, which goes along with that same thing. Uh, hold your place there. Go to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to see how many fingers you got. And uh, in Colossians 3, look what Paul writes there. He said in verse 1, in Colossians 3, he says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek what? Seek the earthly things? Seek uh, what other people think about you? Uh, seek uh, you, do, do, do your job? Seek whatever it might be? But no, he says, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your affection. What are you being affected by? The amount of your bank account? What people think about you? He said, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Watch out for that. He's, he's warning people, watch out for that. Don't get affected by the things of this world. Keep yourself pure, he says. Keep yourself holy, separate from the world. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is here with Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, you shall appear also with him in glory. Therefore, verse 5. Mortify. What does mortify mean? Put to, death. Put to death your members which are upon the earth. And there it is again. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil conscriptions, covetousness, which is knowledge. Well, the same things that those all sins unto death. For which things the wrath of God is coming on the children of disobedience. Oh, but he, may, he said, no, we're righteous. We're not disobedient. You're disobedient. If you're not obeying what Jesus said, what are you? You're disobedient. What do you say in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, 18? If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? And if judgment begin at the house of God, where shall the, the sinner appear? Where shall the un, un, unbelieving, disobedient appear? So he's saying here, mortify, put to death those things that, are, that, you, that we have here. Oh, he goes on, for which things the sake of the wrath of God coming? Verse 7, into which also you walked in some time when you lived in them. That's what that you, was your past life. But now you also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Remember he said in James 1, that if a man doesn't bridle his tongue, his, his, his Christianity is worthless. Lie not one to another, speaking the truth, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. And to put on a new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that called him. Now go back to Second uh, Timothy. Huh? Second um, Timothy, verse two. Um, I've kind of said that already, but you might have a good soldier. Skip with me down to uh, uh, verse five. If a man also strive for masteries. Yet is he, is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. What does that mean? Anybody want to say that? What that means? By, law, by God's law, do God's way. Yeah. You got to, you gotta, if you're going to strive, if you're going to make effort to get to, to have the kingdom of God, you got to do it God's way, not man's way. 
So what are you? Gonna, what instruction are you going to follow? I'm going to follow what the instruction manual tells me. You got to do it that way. That's right. He says in, in, in Luke 12, he says this. He says, many shall strive to enter in, but they won't be able to. Why? Because they don't strive lawfully. He says, but Lord, we did all these things with you. You know, we heard you sung with you in the streets. We were there with you. We did all these things. And, of course, he says the same thing that he says in Matthew 7. He says, I don't know you. But you didn't follow the rules. You didn't, you didn't do it my way. So by saying what this guy was saying, you are the righteousness of God. Believe that. You know, when, you por- when you're fornicating a por- pornography or having sex, whatever it might be, just say, I'm the righteousness of God. Is that God's way? Is that striving God's way? That's his way. That's what he's saying. Let's go further. Um, hey, I wanted to say something real quick. What I got from him saying that is his goal is what I, what I think that his goal was is for whoever's dealing with that, that speaking that into existence that he'll become righteous with God. But we both know in 2 Corinthians 7 that the only way for you to truly turn from that is to have God with sorrow and repentance. That would be God's way. Not necessarily saying, saying I'm the righteous of God is going to change that. That's not going to change that. That may you may think that that would change that, but that's not going to change that. Well, 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 you know, it's good that you brought that up because, okay, the, the old way uh, that wasn't striving, striving lawfully, the old way was when you come to the Lord, you come forward to an altar, you, uh, you ask God to forgive you, you ask him to come in your heart, you do what's called, they call a sinner's prayer, which is, isn't in the scriptures to begin with. Then what they want to say is the process of sanctification begins, right? Where you start getting better, start doing better. Well, what happens is you're hanging out with a better class of people so you're naturally not going to do like you were before is bad, but yet the sin still remains in your life. There's still sin going on, you know. And in that in that Ted thing, he said the preachers were saying uh, there's thousands of different ways to interpret the Bible. And when I was what I was saying when she said that, or when they said that, <laughs> over and over and emphasizing on it, no, there's only one way. To interpret the Bible. Yeah, what, what it says. And what it says. That's why Paul wrote in, 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 to the Corinthians, he says, to stay with the simplicity of the truth. The simple truth of what the Bible says. Well, what I was going to say is, even before the ultimate sacrifice, back in the times of uh, Solomon, uh, when he dedicated the temple, the Lord came to him at night, one night, and uh, told him the, the very common quoted verse, he said, if my people shall uh, hold themselves... Turn to Second Chronicles chapter 7. 7 14, yeah, Second Chronicles 7, 14. That's where you're at. Second, what? Second Chronicles 7, 14. Go ahead and read that, Don. Alright. Or either way, I can read it any way you want, if y'all want, whenever you get there. This, this scripture was actually quoted by Vice President Pence, but he left part out. <laughs> and I'm, I want y'all to tell me, not you, Don, not you, Sandra, but I want you to tell me what he left out, okay? Seven fourteen. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Yeah, 
and that was quoted by Vice President Pence, but he left out the part about if they turn from their wicked ways. He completely omitted that and read the script. 